From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan, with your host, Shane Frederick. Welcome to the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan. I'm the host, Shane Frederick, and joining me today is Minnesota State forward Brendan Furry. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, um, the Mavericks are coming off uh, a loss and a win at uh, Ferris State to uh, on their first road weekend for conference play in the CCHA. Um, so far through 10 games, uh, Brendan's got 11 points, uh, off to a pretty good start, four goals, seven assists. Uh, his first season playing for the Mavericks last year, he had 13 points in 28 games. Uh, so almost uh, hitting that number. Uh, so taking a big leap uh, in, in the second year playing. Uh, I guess, first of all, maybe we'll just talk about that uh, since we're we're going at it. Uh, what what do you think the – is it just getting used to uh, you know, playing the, the college game and after uh, some time off and we can get to the, your, your time off before that uh, – a little bit later <laughs> yeah um and like you said uh just going from that freshman year taking that year off but yeah i mean from the start last year it's all about getting that pace down uh, college is a different level um you know coming in you you have that confidence out of juniors and a lot of guys do and we recruit a lot of older guys so um we're kind of you know thriving as we're coming into here so i think that's really cool how they recruit here but uh so when you get here, it's a little bit of a wake up call. Um, and Hasey kind of, you know, make sure you know that he knows that this league's hard and, and it's all earned. Um, so yeah, last year was definitely a big learning curve. Um, a lot of talks with coach sitting down, making sure that we um, hit those points of the game that, uh, you know, you can develop on. And I think uh, this year just, uh, I've incorporated a lot of those things. Uh, we've talked about the ground game numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I've instilled in my game and being a, a reliable 200-foot uh, player all around the rink um, and being able to b- get put out in any situation. So I think I've really um, matured, uh, I would say, uh, my game this this year especially. Uh, just taking on, as an upperclassman, you have to be a leader as well to the mm-hmm. younger guys. And uh, so just things like that, um, I've definitely tried and strived to work on uh, this past summer and then coming into this year. And I think it's just, uh, you know, you're seeing some results there. Um, but we have a really good group this year and, uh, we, we can do something really special. You know, going back, I remember seeing you around the rink, uh, the 2019 and, and 20 season. In fact, it took me quite a while to figure out who the heck you <laughs> yeah, were, because yeah. I think you were rehabbing an injury yep. or rehabbing coming off some surgery. Yep. Pl- plus you had to sit out the year, mm-hmm. uh, for, um, eligibility reasons yep. with uh, transfer, um, because you had signed an NLI, right? Mm-hmm. With Niagara. So, yep. Uh, all those rules that were in effect that uh, cost players years of uh, <laughs> yeah, service time, that, unfortunately. Uh, I wish it was a year later because they ended up giving that year that free right. eligibility or the free transfer rule so yes. one year. So wish I was a year late. <laughs> um, so maybe we can just back up a little bit and you can tell t- talk a little bit about that and uh, your history. And then we'll go back to that that season when you were when you were sitting out a lot of the year. Um, you you're from Toledo, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you had uh, kind of seemed like you're a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of uh, coming on as a mm-hmm. as a college prospect. Yeah, and didn't really even have an intention of playing Division One college hockey uh, out out of those uh, school days. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a unique uh, story. I liked 
I like to tell it in the sense of hopefully it motivates some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming out of high school, I was uh, I'm, I live 20 minutes from Bowling Green. Um, so I had plans right after the season that I was just going to go to school and I was going to play club hockey at Bowling Green. And uh, I had a couple guys in the area, local pros from Toledo that uh, just talked to me and they said I, they think that I should try out, go up north for a season, play uh, U18s up in Detroit. So I went out for a summer tournament, um, did pretty well. Uh, the coach came out to me and offered me a spot right after that ter- uh, tournament was over. So um, I sat down with my parents and they're like, if you're gonna do this, if we're gonna pay for this, you're gonna start putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of right there as a flip of the switch. It was like, if you know, if they're able to somehow manage to, you know, they got other kids to worry about too, to spending money, putting money here. We're at private high schools. So um, there's a lot of money. In, you know, I'm thankful for them to give me that opportunity and they let me go up there. And I, I had a really good year, proved myself. Um, ended up getting a tender in the Null um, with Amarillo. Uh, played a couple games there after the U18 season. Um, and then ended up after that season, that's when I ended up uh, getting that scholarship from Niagara. Um, I was young. It was uh, just, all, there was a lot being thrown at me at once. It was <laughs> like, I, I went from nothing to really just not really, you know, thinking I had a career in hockey to uh, boom, like season's over, then you go get a tender, and then I'm getting offered a scholarship from Niagara University. Um, so it all happened quite fast. And then um, ended up making Omaha uh, as a free agent. Um, went there, had a really good camp, made their 30 man. And then uh, from there on out, I just kind of rode the wave. Um, just put, it kind of all started from that mentality of when my parents sat me down, they're like, you're going to put in the work every day. So um, that's how it was. That's when that kind of like created that mentality for myself that I was going to, I was going to earn this. I was going to prove people wrong that, you know, we don't have many kids from our area, like uh-huh. especially that have played high school hockey that move on right. and, and can do. Um, so I hope it's just a little motivational piece to kind of just, you know, younger guys up in the game that want to go and try. It doesn't matter, you know, where, you know, where you are, what you're doing. It's just your, your goals and what you want to get to. So, um, you know, I stuck with that and, um, playing after, or after one year of juniors, um, I sat down with my coaches and they thought I had, they think I rushed the process a little bit coming with the Niagara. Mm -hmm. So, um, they sat me down and they're like, is this, you know, is that where your heart truly is? And, and I, I don't think it really was. I'm thankful for the opportunity that Niagara gave me. Sure. uh, Absolutely. But, I truly found my home here and I'm glad that it all worked out. And yeah. I mean, it was so worth it to sit out that year to be able to watch that, especially that team that what, you know, could have been mm-hmm. that freshman year team. That uh, is the could have been yeah, team. Right? Absolutely. And uh, so just from being able to watch them and learn from them and then, you know, on like uh, continuous conversations with coach and stuff, I, I, I've developed as a human being and then even a better player as well, just from being here. So I'm really thankful for that. When, when you were here that year, uh, like you said, you had to sit out anyway, and I think you had surgery and you were, you were rehabbing for part of that year, but then mm-hmm. I think somewhere late in the season or second half of the season, you began practicing with them, yep. right? You were able to get on the ice. Obviously you weren't eligible for games. Mm-hmm. So you really got to see firsthand, um, you know, what that team was like, certainly pre-COVID, thinking that this is a Frozen Four type of team, possibly a national championship type team. Mm -hmm. Mark Michaelis, I mean, you know, Nick Rivera, who probably 
similar game to you to some mm -hmm. degree. Um, Absolutely. You, you probably look at that and, and say that experience, even just practicing with them, probably prepped you a lot for what was to come. And it really all starts from the group of guys that we had that year. Like you said, you named off, you know, Parker Toomey, Mark Michaelis, Charlie Gerard, you know, all those guys. Uh, they could have just basically pushed me to the curb and, mm -hmm. you know, just as a guy that's just there but not playing. They didn't. They brought me in. I felt like a family, I mean, immediately. So big shout out to those guys for that senior class that you're bringing me in and making me feel uh, like I'm one of the guys. So that was really cool. But, yeah, it's that group especially being able to – it was Christmas time I came back Okay. Um, after – we waited as long as we could with my shoulder, rehabbed it, got it back to 100%. Um, got back on the ice, and I was throwing right back, like right into the wolves. Coaching, you know, I was out there. I had to be going, and they, those older guys, coaches, everybody pushed me to be my best. And just from sitting back and watching how they do everything every day, uh, work ethic and practice, uh, the little things, the details, um, I think it just shows – the caliber of team we had that year and what you know what could have been um and just being able to watch in the stands and see how they make you know what mm -hmm. the, what's going on in games and you know, stuff like that just different situations uh i really learned a lot that year being able to talk one-on-one -on -one with some of the guys uh non-stop so um i'm like i said i'm really thankful for that opportunity playing a lot of scout pk too against a pretty good power play right <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i was always uh, on the uh mock power play against the penalty kill so uh i was you know you always get thrown in those situations it's pretty cool uh that that's great and then it just prepares you to go into i remember talking to coach cannot um about you know the, the upcoming season and freshmen who are coming in and, and sometimes you know guys who are you're in, in your situation it's easy for me as a media member sometimes to kind of almost forget about it because people get excited about it. who are the new recruits and <laughs> yeah. well here's the list and um you know where did they play last year and what were their stats and they're going to be freshmen this year and you know uh coach cannot uh, more than once kind of reminded me oh and we also have brendan furry <laughs> so don't forget him because we really like what we've seen on him so yeah. far so um you know don't don't forget that. But then you'd see things on social media and mm -hmm. people kind of picking the, you know, what's the roster going to look like without these players. And, yeah. um, you, you know, just it, you end up kind of flying under the radar a little bit when you, yeah. when you sit out a year, right? Oh yeah. You're just that. And that's almost the hardest part about it is me mentally. Uh, you just know that, you know, you're not involved in those conversations and stuff like that. And uh, you're just, it almost pushes you to feel like you're not a part of the team. And that's why I said it was really big for those guys to keep me in that loop all the time mm -hmm. with everything. So, um, yeah, it's definitely easy to just get pushed to the side when you're, you know, a guy that's just, you know, oh, you know, not in the lineup occasionally, stuff like that, like little things. So, um, it's really, it was really big that year for me to work on my um, mental side of the game. Uh, especially more so than just rehabbing and getting right, back out there. Right. And, and that's uh, what a testament to a program that I think uh, certainly a lot of people have heard other players um, than yourself say that about this particular program, that the, the way that people are brought into the fold, whether they're freshmen, whether they're uh, transfers, um, I think Benton Mass mentioned it in a previous podcast mm -hmm. this year. He came in with Jack McNeely yep. and, talked a little bit about you know right away in the summer feeling like he was part of this i mean mm -hmm. here's a guy who's in his fifth year of college hockey um you know are people looking over their shoulders saying you know all right you're here for one year what are you going to do and, and said no 
you're part of this, you're helping us. We have goals here and you're going to be part of that. And this is how mm -hmm. um, really, I think, says a lot for kind of the culture that's been built here at Minnesota State. Oh, absolutely. The, that's the cool thing about coming in the summer. We get that a little head start on getting the freshmen acclimated to the, the university. This, you know, kind of just how things are run here. Um, and then I think a big thing we, you know, we talk about family so much here because uh, eventually at the end of the day, it's our team and coach emphasizes that he, um, you know, he can do all he can to guide us and direct us to, you know, how we're going to play and stuff. But at the end of the day, we're the ones on the ice and mm -hmm. got to do it. So, um, I think that kind of, that starts with our leadership group and it works all the way down and, uh, you know, Wyatt, Reggie, Jack, they've done a great job this year, uh, making sure we stay, you know, compact and we don't, we don't break. Right. Uh, I mean, we have, like we said, we have a really good team this year and we can do something really special. So, um, it's our boss and we just have to drive it every day. What was it like last year? I mean, you know, we mentioned your numbers and how you're almost at those same numbers. Did you feel like you had a specific role last year to play? Was it just a matter? I mean, it was such a weird season to, you know, stands being empty and, <laughs> yeah. and a limited number of games compared to, you know, a normal schedule. And, um, you know, I don't know when you really felt comfortable or when you really kind of took off. Certainly, uh, you know, People know how you and um, Ryan Sandlin and and I think Sam Morton right mm -hmm. played together in, yep. the, in the NCAA tournament last yep. year. That line ended up being so good. And We're back, by the so, way. So important. You're back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For now. Yeah. Hopefully. For now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Coach Hastings. Whenever I would ask him, so you got those three playing together again, and I think he would look at me and go, "For now." Yeah. For now. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to them. Yeah. Exactly. It always depends. Yeah. So, different situations. But was was there a point last year where you felt like really comfortable from a playing standpoint, not necessarily from a group standpoint, which it seemed like that was there from the beginning? Yeah, um, I think it it came in roughly the middle part of the year. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, after numerous meetings with coach, we sat down and he started pointing out some of the things that he really liked in my game. Um, the below the goal line, I have a big body so I can protect the puck. Um, when I move my feet, I'm effective. Um, so things like that, we really started to break those down. And as I started to really f basically focus on them every night, I started to see the effectiveness I was having on the ice. And uh, I think at one point he threw me and Walker together. And we were, and it kind of, that's the, it was me, Walker and Spooner, I think. Yeah, That's a big line. And we were, <laughs> Coach always came in and it was like, you guys are 200 pounds or each a 600 pound forward line he goes no one should be able to you know knock you off the puck and mm -hmm. you guys should be able to you know work it below the goal line and that's where it was right there it was like i remember in the locker room we called it the ground game and that's been instilled in our philosophy of how we play all mm -hmm. the time um so yeah at one point i think last year it just kind of hit and i was like i'm really effective that way and instead of so much more i guess as you know you come off that year you want to be effective you want to have that you know the points and stuff to help mm -hmm. the team the goals and but i think i really flushed that and i just focused on like being that 200 foot player that can be reliable in all situations because it's not sometimes it's not always about you know the coach calls it the candy the points the assists and stuff it, it's you got to be able to do the other things and the more things you have in a basket uh that like you know potential pro teams can look at being on the penalty kill being able to win important face-offs things like that mm -hmm. um those are the things that you can put into this basket that help build like a resume for yourself. So I really started to focus on just different aspects of my game instead of just the offensive 
move into the defensive side. Um, and as time went on throughout the season, just more, being more and more comfortable, um, it just makes it so much easier. And then you can build that confidence. And it's just kind of like a snowball. It just gets bigger and bigger as it rolls down the hill as you keep moving. And um, yeah, I, I would say I definitely just use that and kind of went with, with the flow of how it is and just being an everyday and just putting in my work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting, you go to the NCAA tournament and the, we mentioned the, your line and, uh, you know, Ryan Sandlin obviously had uh, a couple big goals in yeah. the, in the yeah. tournament and, and you guys as, as a, as a group played so effectively um, that um, it, it, you know, all of a sudden you're up, you're noticed, right? I mean, and it's, mm -hmm. and, and you're looking for maybe those unsung heroes because sometimes in those games, that's what it comes down to because there's so much focus on a scoring player, whether it's Julian, whether <laughs> yeah. it's Nathan Smith, and another team's going to um, really put all their efforts into trying to stop them. So then it yeah. becomes, you know, what, who else is going to step up? Mm. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened or why it happened, but certainly uh, you guys became an effective group uh, over a couple of games there. What do you think the it was? Was it just a matter of, it seems like probably for all three of you, it was probably similar to what you just described. Yeah, uh, it was. The funny thing was, I think going into the game, we weren't even on a, the first uh, Quinnipiac game. We weren't even on the line together. That's right. Um, coach made some changes during the game, late in the game. Um, and I think it was like the second period of the game, we had a shift together and we dominated. Mm -hmm. um, and we were pretty dominant that second period. If, yeah. Yep. Um, and third period came around. He's like, yeah, I'm going to keep you three together. And I'm pretty sure we might have started that third period as well. Um, and it, we just kind of went from there. Um, <laughs> you kind of especially in that big of a stage um first off we knew we were going to come back in that game it, we, we just needed that like one bounce to get us going mm -hmm. and um i think it was just building off each other um knowing what we can do um and we realized that we were almost the energy bugs of the team we were trying to spark the team because we, we hadn't i mean we were i think it was shift after shift after shift and uh so we looked at each other and we're like, if someone's going to do it, I think it's going to be us. And okay, we nice. went from there and um, coach came up to us after the, after we scored the overtime goal and he was going, you know, nuts. And <laughs> it was such a big deal. It was so cool. And he talked to us right after the game and he's like, I'm, I'm going to keep you guys together tomorrow. And I think right then and there, we we're like, we can do it again, yeah. again, against anybody if we play like this. Um, so yeah, it was just buying into it, buying mm -hmm. into what we know we can do best. And like you said, it's it's cool when you're when you're not the the goal scorer that everyone looks at and stuff. And you get that like I'm super happy that Sandy was able to put that in yeah. and have some big goals and Mo scoring the next night and Sandy scoring again. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it just came down to just sticking to what we did best. I mean, it, it, I'm glad it worked out and we still have that <laughs> chemistry to this day. Uh, we played a little bit uh, last Saturday together um, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like we didn't even miss a beat. So, I mean, hopefully it was just a hidden gem and we just found it and it's pretty cool actually. Yeah, we'll see uh, See how long that lasts. Yeah, so absolutely. Keep, keep, right? keep it going. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, you know, you had a big game uh, a couple weeks ago in, uh, uh, against uh, Northern Michigan and uh, your your first collegiate hat trick mm -hmm. and um, I think the first hat trick for MSU in a while. Um, Four-point game, the hat trick in 24 minutes something. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of the game, everybody forgot about you because <laughs> of Dryden McKay. Uh, you know how many times we were in the locker room and they're like, Furs, 
you know how like what a bad night to get a hat trick right (laughs) (laughs) and it's just something you laugh off at that point because one game compared to 27 shutouts is just something that you're so proud of dryden for what Mm -hmm. he's accomplished and any given day i'd give up that that three goal hat trick to you know have him have his moment because that's something special that we may never see again yeah i think just the moment and as a a sports writer and someone who observes a lot of this stuff i just love to look at those little moments and i thought one of the great one was uh, i think everybody knew it was coming that you know when they announced the three stars of the game that you were going to end up being the number two star Mm -hmm. um (laughs) despite the 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 great night uh, offensively (laughs) And, uh, you know, they announced you, you came out and then just stayed out there to kind of give, get the crowd going, mm-hmm. get a little hype up for, for Dryden. To, yeah. uh, uh, and I, I just thought that was a classy moment. Not that I really expected anything less uh, mm-hmm. from, from any of the players, but I just thought that was a, a, a cool moment. And, and I'm sure that was a part that you probably enjoyed too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's even uh, at one point, it's like emotional even talking about that because you know how much work Dryden's put in to get there and. Um, just being able to see the big smile on his face and how happy he was to finally, I feel, just get it over with so he can still continue and focus on the rest of the season. So, um, like I said, at that point, it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, the team had two big wins that weekend. Uh, those were big, but, you know, <laughs> I felt like it was just needed to just let him have his moment. And yeah, it was cool to be a part of it, to be able to hype up the crowd a little bit and just be there for him and right by his side. What's it like as a player, especially like a 200-foot player who's going to be out there whether it's defensive zone draws, just playing, you know, responsibly in your own end. Um, a shutout in general, you're trying so hard to to keep that zero on the board for your goaltender. But in that moment, everybody knows. I know Coach Hastings said, like, no one said it, but everybody knew it. <laughs> What's it like? You guys let two shots get to him that third period and really um, didn't give Northern Michigan a sniff at all. Um, can you just... Talk a little bit about what's going through your mind in that situation as a player when you get your shift, whether it's to keep the puck in deep on your own at the offensive end or just what you're doing on the defensive end with, when that little extra incentives in your mind, or in this case, probably a lot extra incentive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going into that third period, I remember it, there wasn't even a sniff of even thinking about the shutout at one point. We were just going to go out there and play our game. We came out, we came out strong. Mm-hmm. And then at the 10 minute mark, you could see a change in the whole bench. <laughs> and it was like, I think coach made a comment. He's like, know what you're playing for. Mm. And that comment, like, you know, you have the curse, you don't say it. It's the dreaded word. You do not talk about the shutout until it's over. Um, So he's like, know what you're playing for. And right then and there, I think all the guys knew. They yep. knew the importance behind, we have 10 minutes left. If we can give 10 minutes of our best hockey, there's no way they're going to get a sniff of scoring a goal. Um, so like you said, like thinking about like before you're going out for a shift, there's a couple times during that. I took a deep breath. I had to take a big <laughs> one. I was like, all right, going out there, just be reliable. Make sure the puck gets in their end, keep it out of our end. Mm-hmm. And uh, so coach, uh, coach actually started just throwing out some different line, like combos, just making sure that we had the puck the entire time. I don't think, you know, like, it was if we had to regroup it, we go and regroup. It. If we didn't see a look, just go back and regroup and just control the puck. And I think we did that. And you just saw the buy-in all the way from first, second, third, fourth line. You know, deep pair one, two, and three. Uh, we knew what we were playing for. So it was really cool to be a part of that moment. Um, it's 
for me, it's something I can't even talk about that game and the process of that third period. But so I can only imagine what Drado was going through during that time as well. But well, you it, made it easy on him. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It, yeah, it, it was a full team effort. Yeah, and I know Drado has mentioned that numerous mm-hmm. times, but uh, you know, without that guy back there, uh, you know, who knows how many games you know we've won, won or lost without yeah. him. So. And he's yeah. a special player and we're thankful for him. Yeah, impressive. Just an impressive mm-hmm. uh, person too. And, yeah. and uh, I always find him interesting to interview um, because I've interviewed other goaltenders and he just seems about as laid back as like <laughs> any other player on the ice. Yeah. You know, other goaltenders, you're kind of like, don't talk to him because he's in his zone or he's doing this. Dryden never seems that Yeah, way. goalies always got their weird little superstitions <laughs> and stuff. We, we always call them the weird ones of the team because they just got so much. And I mean, who wants to take a 90 mile an hour slap shot at him, you know? So, <laughs> but yeah, Dryden's really laid back and uh, you wouldn't even, I don't think you'd really know he's a goalie or whatnot. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's a good dude. And uh, like I said, we're really thankful to have him on our team. Um, So you get through that weekend, uh, you go on the road to Ferris State. Um, obviously, first night uh, you lose at Ferris State. Uh, most people consider a huge upset because uh, you're number two in the country, had a long winning streak against them, and they... Uh, uh, they've struggled the last couple of years. Now, yeah. I watched it online. I, they, to me, they looked like a different team, and, they, mm-hmm. and and maybe you saw a little of that even last year as, in the playoffs because I think they came on and the way they played defensively. Yep. And they play in that uh, rink that's about the size of this studio, I think. Yeah, you're pretty accurate <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so what do you what do you guys learn? Um, uh, you know, the first night, how do you and you know to bounce back? And it took a little while to bounce back too because it was. You know, yeah. partway through the second period before you kind of took up. over. Yeah. yeah, they had a one nothing lead. Um, well, after the game was over, coach came in and it it was a we problem. It wasn't anyone. It wasn't an individual. It was our issue that we had to fix. Um, so we addressed a few things uh, overnight uh, through some films Saturday morning. Um, and we just knew that we we had to bounce back. It was coach mentioned that it was he's okay with this if it's a learning curve or like if we can learn from this and mm-hmm. move on um but if it's something that we can't then there is the issue so i think it was a bit just a big wake-up call that honestly i think we needed um early in the year you mm-hmm. go in you're on the road you're playing a team that hasn't had success in the past and you've had success over them for years yeah i think we coach mentioned today it was like we had a 15 game winning streak over right. them. yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know that. And you just see that you have all that success versus the team and you're going into their building and maybe you get a little comfortable, uh, you know, being where we are and whatnot. On our end, it's unacceptable, but it, it's, it was huge for us to learn earlier in the, early in the year from that. Um, so we just learn from it, move on, kind of flush it. We take everything day by day here. And uh, Saturday night, it just took a little bit to get going, but, we just got to find a way to start striking a little bit early, get mm-hmm. off of those hot starts um, like we had you know, the Northern game. Um, we just need to be able to get on teams earlier um, and not let them get a sniff because I feel like when we get going, we're hard to beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This weekend, we have Bowling Green coming to town. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a tough team, as you know, always has yeah, been. I mean, always. It's funny, I think, when the, the first time the conference has changed up and I mean, you're you're familiar with Bowling Green going back a ways. Yeah. From, uh, did you go to games there as a kid All the time. and everything? Yeah. All the time. So it's pretty cool to, you know, I'm pretty excited to go there. And I think we go in February. Okay. So I got a lot of family lined up for that oh, one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, and they've just been a, a, a tough team and it, there's been a good rivalry. I think there was a stretch 
Uh, I remember writing about a couple of years ago where I, I think uh, the the series was uh, the regular season series, anyways, very even. Mm. I think uh, MSU kind of had to had the advantage in the playoffs, but um, they've just become a real rival in in, mm-hmm. in this conference. And now this with the CCHA yeah. being tighter and fewer teams than the old WCHA. I mean, I, th- I think they're seems like they're a team that. Uh, you two, the Mavericks and the Falcons have their eyes on each other. Yeah, they're well coached. They're always yeah. they're the way they play. They're gonna get in your face and they're gonna make you take penalties. They're gonna make you turn the puck over. They're they're gonna make you get frustrated. Um, that's just how they play. I think that's where that rivalry comes from because we play the same way. Yeah, and you get in each other. I mean, you saw what we had our big fight against them last year with Reese and all them like <laughs> right. the. Uh, they took a couple fives against us. Mm-hmm. I think I took a five against them too. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a rivalry that has come about in the recent years. And then especially after what happened in the WCHA finals, uh, they've always wanted their, their revenge on it. So, um, it's always exciting when they're coming into town. I think everybody knows there's a little mm-hmm. buzz behind it. So pretty cool. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we control it. We control what we got to do. So. Did you have a, you know, favorite memory from going to their rink as, as a kid and, and and watching games or some favorite players or anything like that? Um, I wouldn't say more so favorite players. I uh, I knew a couple guys that played on the uh, national championship team at BG, so they would take me back in the locker room. Oh, cool! Uh, I'd be able to go see them and then like get the hand touches behind like where nobody could go and get the you know fist bump the guys. I just remember how big they were when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, geez, these guys are massive. Like, uh, I could never play here. And then you, you know, you get there. It's pretty cool to to just see. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, this is this has been great. Um, best of luck this weekend against the Falcons and going forward the rest of the season. And. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Freddie. All right. Uh, well, this has been the Maverick Hockey Live podcast brought to you by Duncan. I'm Shane Frederick. He's Brendan Furry. I'll see you next time. <laughs>